Kraken Fancast, the podcast for Seattle Kraken fans by Seattle Kraken fans. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kraken Fancast. I'm your host, Chris Porter. I'll be joined momentarily by my colleagues Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson for some Seattle Kraken hockey talk. We'll be going over and analyzing recent game results uh, since our previous episode and also uh, check on some team news and league news as well. Uh, for those of you uh, new to the Fancast or just need a reminder, Kraken Fancast focuses on all subject matter about the National Hockey League's newest team, the Seattle Kraken. We share news about the team, analyze their play, and go over various team-related news. We'll also at times uh, present some interviews with people directly involved with the team, as well as those within the fan community. Plus, we aim to go into some different subject matter occasionally when we can that you might not hear on other Kraken-related podcasts. Big thanks to our main sponsor. It's kind of our secondary sponsor. Now it's our main sponsor, the Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey theme bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. If you're not going to a Kraken game, catch a game at the Angry Beaver. All right. Uh, okay. Well, fellas, I well, to everybody listening, first off, uh, we hope you've been having a really nice holiday season so far. The Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Festivus, Kwanzaa. Whatever you celebrate, and if you don't celebrate anything, hope you had it's a easygoing uh, couple of days off. So, however you like to spend the time, the three of us we celebrate Christmas. So, fellas, uh, how 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 was your Christmas? Did you watch some hockey? Do play some hockey? Give some hockey gifts? I did. Uh, let me see. What did I do? I have played a little bit of hockey. I've had some some games around the time. Uh, I did. I have a stick handling board in the house that I a super deaker that I play with a lot actually. And the grandkids were over and they were playing with it. So that was kind of cool. Uh, what else has been going on? Uh, yes. And I did get some little hockey tidbit stocking stuffer type things. Uh, things like, oh, you know, the things you throw in your bag to keep the smell down. <laughs> little oh, charcoal thingies. Practical uh, that gifts. Type of, yeah, that type of stuff. Yeah. So, no, um, it, it's been hockey related uh, on a lower level, but it always is. So that's kind of cool. Um, other than that. I've been, you know, we watched some games leading up to the whole holiday break and uh, some World Junior action starting up. We'll get into that later. Yeah. Nathan, uh, you know, your, your son get any hockey uh, stuff or do you guys have a nice time? Oh, man. Yeah, we had a great time. Hung out with family. Kind of a busy weekend, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Santa did bring my son his new game stick to use and all the rest of his gear that he needed so he's ready to go we got him signed up for his uh lessons and he'll get signed up for uh what's called the launch pad which is a uh learn to play hockey program at twin rinks so we're excited he's excited it's all he thinks about so yeah it's a good holiday excellent i did as well i'm uh actually uh broadcasting from the boston area Saw a lot of didn't actually did involve a little bit of hockey. I saw a Bruins Winnipeg Jets game uh, a few days uh, before Christmas, and uh, Bruins victorious in that. As they've been in many a game lately, and uh, always fun to go to other arenas. Obviously, uh, you know, three of us uh, live a lot of our lives at Climate Pledge Arena, but great to go to the old TD Garden. And uh, I guess I can say it's old now. It's over twenty years old now at this point. Yeah, I remember when it was new, um, but. Great, great to see uh, hockey in any uh, in any city. 
So uh, it's been a nice time, and uh, but I look forward to uh, getting back to Seattle. Jim, you and I have a hockey date uh, as the Kraken have a hockey date against the uh, Edmonton Oilers. So that'll be my uh, first Kraken game back. Back at excellent. The we we get to see McDavid light it up. <laughs> yeah, and it's a very very important game, which we'll talk about. Obviously, a division game, and things are uh, things are a little close in the standings there, which we'll get to, but. Uh, Anyway, yeah, since the last episode, mixed bag of results and experiences the team uh, has been going through all all of December, really. And that theme certainly can be uh, used for us today uh, per their last handful of games. Our Seattle Kraken have won two of the last five. Uh, one of those losses, granted, being an overtime loss to the Vancouver Canucks. So they get five points out of a possible 10 they could have gotten. Uh, could have been better, could have been worse. Uh, after a nice road win against the Florida Panthers, the Kraken came up with no further points on that Southeast road trip. Uh, got, got a little ugly there, too. On December 13th, the Kraken got trounced by the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa by the square of 6-2. Grubauer was in goal for that one until he eventually got relieved by Martin Jones. Uh, McCann and Donato with the only goals. Uh, so that was, that was a really tough game to watch. Uh, two nights later, they head to Carolina take on a Hurricanes team that's uh, really excelling so far this season. And I got to say, I got to give, uh, you know, a little tip of the cap to the crack. And they gave him a good game, uh, gave him a competitive one. Grub looked better, but they ultimately lost that one three to two. Ryan Donato continued his goal scoring in that game, plus dealing a strong netted one. So uh, Donato coming on strong, and I'll be mentioning him a little bit later on in this recap. Uh, the team uh, came back home at that point uh, to play Winnipeg on December 18th, and they had a really nice bounce back against a very formidable Jets team. Kraken won that game 3-2. to two. They massively outshot the Jets on that one, 34-17 uh, to 17 in that contest. Uh, it probably shouldn't have been as close of a game as it was, but nevertheless, uh, you know, Connor Hellebuck's uh, a heck of a goalie. Uh, for the Jets, so uh, it, you got to shoot a lot to get some by him. Uh, Ryan Donato, one of those guys that got one by him. I continued his goal streak with one in that one, plus uh, Jordan Eberle and Jared McCann, also McCann uh, rising up in the uh, goalie uh, stats. Uh, those guys got goals in that one as well. Then the Kraken kept things rolling in the right way with a very very dominant win against a struggling St. Louis Blues team, Martin Jones in net that night, and Ryan Donato. I've mentioned him once, I've mentioned him four times. He netted his fourth goal in four games, quite an accomplishment. He has been on fire. Uh, Susie Sprong, McCann, and Tanev also got scores in that game. So after those two wins, it felt like the Kraken uh, could had some momentum. They could use that and finally beat the Canucks up in Vancouver. But that was not to be, ultimately. Uh, the Kraken were up in that game for almost the entirety of it. But with just a little over a minute left in regulation, the Canucks' Elias Pettersson tied the game up, uh, sending it into overtime, which didn't produce a winner. So they all had to go to something that's been rare for the Kraken, a, a shootout finale they had. And which sadly and very frustratingly, they lost. Uh, also, thanks to an Elias Pettersson winning shootout goal. Uh, they got a point in that at least, but it felt like they blew that one to a team that's collectively and arguably not as good as the Kraken. So, but anyway, so it goes. So, more of a roller coaster ride from this team uh, as of this recording, uh, which is a day or so before their December 28th Kraken Flames game. 
they're third in the Pacific Division, one point ahead of the fourth place Calgary Flames, and four points behind the second place Los Angeles Kings. Upcoming games against Calgary and uh, home and away games against the Edmonton Oilers. So those are all very important games being division and conference games. Uh, plus, they've got a home game in there uh, with the New York Islanders. That's our New Year's Eve game. Oh, excuse me, New Year's Day game. So, uh, and then uh, they better rest up because then they've got a seven, count them, seven game road trip. Super long one coming up. So uh, winning some of these uh, home games would be really nice. But uh, let's have a little recap uh, thoughts on the uh, past few uh, up and, you know, ups and downs, Jim, on uh, for the Kraken. Well, okay, it was nice to get home uh, after that road swing where we basically dropped five out of six when you look back on it, which was 10 points. Uh, that hurt. Thankfully, we had games in hand and still do against L.A., four of them, as a matter of fact. Um, that Winnipeg game, I was at that game uh, with my wife. Uh, that was a fantastic game. It was the first time we finally beat the Jets in our history. Uh, it was a fun game to be at. It was a solid green sheet. The forecheck was solid. And Ebbs got that beautiful goal. I mean, that was that could be the goal of the year. That back end spinorama, no looky. That thing was sweet from that Larson pass across the uh, slot. You know, like you said, Donato's hot, had his eighth with a nice tip in. Um, McCann got a nice goal on a the forecheck has really looked nice lately that they've corrected. Uh, it's solid. Um, the faceoff, we're, we're back up now. We're at 58% in that game. And like you said, we outshot him 34-17. Uh, players that look solid, obviously. McCann, Gord had a good game uh, in all stat categories. Larson and Dunn looked good. And Grubauer was the first shot only facing 17. But, you know, he played well. That uh, St. Louis game was probably one of the most dominant games of the year. I can only think of a couple that were that dominant. Uh, you know, and you just, like you said, Donato's was a four in a row on a roll. Um, <clears throat> Susie had a nice tip play, stronger, Mr. PTO, Mr. 10 minute PTO guy is really, I mean, seriously, who's got, I think I remember reading a J Fresh article uh, from Top Down Hockey about him on some stat uh, that basically, you know, his minutes. And his time on ice and his production. And remember, this guy was a PTO. I'm just calling him Mr. PTO from here out just because. <laughs> okay, we know who you mean. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Uh, so, and then McCann had been the hot pistol still. Uh, Tanev had that empty netter. And the faceoff was hanging at uh, 60%, which is just back-to-back -back good games of faceoff numbers. Well, just to uh, jump back up, I, I wanted to underline something you said about Stroy. I mean, talk about getting bang for your buck, huh? Yeah. You know, no kidding. I'm serious. So. Um, we, we outshot them. That's another thing we're, we're out shooting in these games, which is nice. And we laid down, uh, 20, no, 20 blocks that game. So, you know, they're laying it down, sacrificing the body and Jones had a nine seventeen save percentage on the night. So those were two solid wins. A lot of green marks, uh, that Vancouver game really just jacked me up though. That is probably between that and that first or that last uh, Winnipeg game when we lost with the late minor penalties to Susie and, and gave that game away. Um, very, well, those are probably the two most frustrating games, and I happen to be at one of them. But 
there's a lot of red marks on that game. One thing I noticed during that little losing streak, five of six on the road, and it still carried on at home, was um, the defensive core was getting out of line and doing uncharacteristic things like pushing up to the point high, uh, both uh, exiting out to the strong side, leaving the weak side. And, you know, you can only expect forwards to cover the point and drop back so low to handle the, any low work. And I started noticing it was shades of last year, but the thing about last year was it was a full defensive team effort of mistakes. That This is the decor thing that's been going on. I'd like to see him correct it. They did in those two wins a bit, but it's still something we have to look at. And it gets people talking about that Haxtell puck pressure game that is so 100% attention to detail. And if you just slip up a little bit, you get burned. So we got to watch out for that. Um, other than that, you know, that Vancouver game, like I said, was incredibly frustrating. And uh, hopefully when we start back up here, we've, we've learned some things and move on from that. So. Mm. I mean, it seemed like they're a little little bounce, even though that was frustrating. They, at least over three games, they were playing generally better hockey. So hopefully, they're that 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 little slide. Then you you start to think, okay, we you talked about it last episode. It was the time the panic. They were in the middle of that at that point, and was thinking, oh god, here we go again. But um, right, it's almost like I had to adjust where I was at because the last episode or the one before that we talked about, how do you feel about where they're at? And well, yeah, because they were dynamos in uh, the whole month of November. Yeah, and I'm I'm concerned now, not so much of L.A. because we've got four games on them. Uh, I'm concerned more about Calgary and Edmonton underneath us if we just kind of play this 500 thing uh, because it's it's going to be so tight if you want to cover that. You're looking right at it, too. I know, and I know we want to talk about this. So, yeah. Nathan, thoughts on you? How, how many of those games did you catch, and what, what, are, what are your general thoughts? I caught every single one. I liked the wins. They 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 won well. They played well. They played together. But the losses that won against Vancouver, you know, that was the one that I was thinking, you know, maybe we'll actually beat Vancouver for the first time, you know. And it uh we had it in the bag. And you know, Jim, I'm glad you touched on that about uh a couple key points in the defense, not the defense as a whole, but just a few little things there that can really uh f up you know the whole game and it did and i don't exactly know where the fault would lie but the goaltending seemed okay it was more the defense that was the issue offense has been there offense has been there this whole time i'm not sure exactly what happened but uh i'm looking forward to the calgary game i'm looking forward to the games ahead and yes it is really tight uh, it's been kind of a roller coaster for the Kings and for a couple other teams battling for second, third, and fourth position. But as long as we stay above that line, I think we'll be okay. Yeah. I mean, none of the teams, I'm just looking at their, uh, you know, as of our recording here, uh, the, the last game, like Calgary last 10, four, two, and four, that that's, that's quite good. Seattle four, five, and one Los Angeles six, two, and two Edmonton four, four, and two, you know, it just, uh, even Vegas is just so I mean, six and six, six and four out of their last 10. So, I mean, nobody's, uh, you know, so, some of those teams have been improving or the slow start and they're, they're creeping closer to Seattle, but nobody's really lighting the world on fire either. I mean, if cracking can just, you know, 
be a little over 500, they should, they should be fine. And like you said, Jim, they have games in hand on, on a number of these teams. So. Yeah. I mean, technically, technically, no matter what it is, the weakest division of all four, but that can change up quick here. Uh, if they all get into a battle tight, you know, especially in the last quarter of the season. Um, one thing I would like to add on uh, the, in those two home game wins, which was kind of nice to see the puck movement was really quick. Something I haven't seen all year. Uh, the play movement was quick, which means the shot release is quick. And there's there's stats to actually back that up, that their their shot increase has gone up a couple per game, but that that averages out much better than what they were doing. And I would at the games I was at, I was noticing a lot of quick plays. I think they've been working on that, a lot of tap pass stuff in practice, and then getting the shot off without an extra delay or not even necessarily waiting for traffic. So that's a good thing. How is things looking in uh, in stats world, uh, Jim? I know you got got a bunch on that, don't you? Oh, okay. So general stats they're they're not as intense as they would have been leading up because we're pretty much maintaining uh, team stats. Uh, you know, we're hanging at forty points, like you said. I think thirteenth overall, Division Three, uh, Wild Card Three, Pacific. Um, in the general team stats, it's hanging out at 16 in the middle, right in the middle of everything, actually, uh, of league play. Goals four is uh, arrows up at 113th for 10th overall. Goals against a little bit of a drop here, uh, a little off the mark. Uh, we're hanging out at uh, 16th spot. Power plays dropping a tad, finally, at 21.2%. That puts us in 19th position. PK is still sucking the big one at um, 68-9, uh, 31st in the league. Shots are up a little bit, like I just indicated about the, the puck movement and play, at average of 29.7, which puts us in 23rd position. Shots against is still top of the league while getting up there, position 30, which is reverse, at 27.6 allowed. So we're right even with that. Uh, face-off is not going to show the increase here quite yet, but it's still hanging at 30th at 45.5. So kind of maintaining some things, but there's a pattern of some good things that we've been trying to work on that shows progress. Oh, and I've got some uh, other uh, little data here from one of my one and only favorite to follow when it comes to deep dive analytics, uh, the little breakaway from the norm. Um, from top-down hockey that Jay Fresh uh, posted up a few days ago um, on power team power rankings, and he has us at 16 uh, with a power score of 51.531%. Uh, that's these typical stats involved in here would be expected goals, percentage, even strength. Uh, this is a key section right here, unblocked shot attempts for percentage. And we do well in that shooting percentage. We do well at a 12, 17. Uh, our save percentage is down, which falls on goaltenders and, and weak D situations and share of power play time is 45.9 and expected goal percentage uh, power play is 48, 39. So those last three categories are down, but the first three are up, which gives us a nice middle rank there for power strength, which is pretty good actually overall. Some uh, pretty cool stats that I picked up on on individual players, which is something he doesn't normally do unless he's doing a breakdown on the full-on uh, score on a player. 
uh, goals above expected player, not teams, player. Uh, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but Tage Thompson has been lighting it up in Buffalo. Uh, that yeah. big frame young player. I mean, it's just impressive what he's done considering what he didn't do in his first couple of years. Um, he's, he's lighting it up at a 10.3 above average or above his score. McDavid, too. Guess who's in slot number three? McCann, or, yeah, slot number three, Jared McCann. At Jared plus McCann, I know he's. Yeah, I've been seeing some mm -hmm. articles, not not on the one that you're talking about, but I was looking at something uh, in the hockey news. There was, you know, yeah. goals keep coming for Seattle Kraken's Jared McCann. I see he's got 16 goals, and you know, I was thinking, gee, yeah. could it be? But that's that's. I know, and he's he, on he's on pace. Yeah, and about a couple of weeks ago, he had a really cool graph up there too, where he had all the logos of teams throughout the whole speckled spectrum and um it had you know goals versus games played versus expected and everything and jared mccann was all the way up in the top left and it said something about something like am i the only one scoring here which is truth i mean the guys he's almost getting a, a dinger a game it seems like or at least the first goal uh so that was kind of cool now here's the here's the other side of that coin the lowest goals expected per player uh people like uh brady katruck which is kind of surprising zach hyman anders lee and you're a number four you're seattle kraken maybe you can guess it yanni gordon maybe not no no oliver bjorkstrand which is oh bjorkstrand I sure too. i mean the guy Although doesn't bjorkstrand than... i have to look it up now or doesn't he have like the most shots on goal or something yeah, I mean, without the guy the guy shoots like crazy, which is good, but obviously his shooting percentage is, is hanging bad, and he's at a minus 5.4. Uh, that didn't surprise me when I saw it. So we've got two on each side of that spectrum. <laughs> I thought that was kind of different. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's it. I mean, he just couldn't, he couldn't buy, it seemed, felt like he couldn't, but poor guy couldn't buy a goal there for a while. He's got four. You would expect oh, yeah. more from him at this point. So yeah, and he but got like a he assist, goal but he's been as Mr. Assist, and he's kind of reminded me of Donskoy. I mean, better than Donskoy, but I mean, just you know, he's got 12. Uh, right. And he, so. he got a goal in that last game against Vancouver. He got the second goal, and I remember saying, Oh, finally, bubble boy, because he's still wearing that bubble, full bubble from that injury <laughs> like boy. six yeah, weeks okay. ago. That's like the Fair longest enough. I've ever seen. That's not like the longest I've ever seen a full enclosure on on somebody and i remember i don't know if it was like a what kind of if it was an eye cut or something but it you know most of those guys are hanging with those bubbles on for maybe a week 10 days that thing's been right. on forever yeah it has yeah. been so i'm wondering what what's up with that but uh i don't know just in the comfort zone with it now when we talk about the games ahead i like to always touch a little bit on goaltending i've noticed a pattern that there seems to be more Jones starts with a healthy Grubauer on the bench. Uh, I don't know if there's been any chatter or anything like that. I know in previous episodes we've talked, you know, who's going to be the number one starter to carry out through the rest of the season. When are we going to know anything? Is it going to just be a crapshoot, you know, the rest of the season? I'm starting to think so. You know, whoever's, whoever they feel like putting in, you know, at that time, but is this a sign that maybe they've probably made their decision on who they're going to have as their number one starter, Jim or Chris, do you have anything to, to highlight on that? Personally, uh, personally, I still think it's 
up in the air. I think he's just throwing it out there. I, I think he, I think Hack still probably thinks, and the goaltending coach probably thinks, on paper, it, it, it's a crapshoot. It, you know, whatever as far as numbers goes, but I do know this: when Jones is in net, even when the team isn't playing well, they still tend to win. So. The, that could be the factor that's overriding everything is that Jones is winning regardless of record or not record, but, but numbers all around. So that might be the only difference. I think they're pretty much equal right now, even though Jones has a ton more games because he played those games up front. Sure. Uh, I think, I think Grubauer's when he's played since he's come back is still if you take his numbers next to last year's, I think they're pretty pretty close, but I still think he's better than he was all last year on average. I'll, I'll agree with that 110%. Um, the only difference that I notice, and I'm going to be a little harsh, is uh, when Jones loses, he doesn't look like crap when he does. Well, in true. my opinion, like any goalie anyway. does, you know, when they when they when they lose, you know, a lot of them lose. Well, I, I mean, the, I mean, interesting to just to piggyback on something you said about group. I mean, I. It seems to me Jones could be considered the starter. I mean, they're gonna go with you know whatever. I mean, depending on how the, where the tide takes them, you know, throughout the year and all. I mean, they could they could change this at any time. It was interesting when he saw Grub doing. I'm trying to remember the last time we saw him do back to back. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, the Tampa game to the Carolina game, and then uh, I, I thought I was a little surprised at that, especially because Grub did not have a good game the day before, but maybe, maybe they wanted to see if he can bounce back. Uh, I, I don't know, but yeah, I I'm feeling the overall vibe is it's still a little more about Jones for now. Cause you're right. Yeah. He, yeah. He's in there. They're, they're tending to win more. I know the guys are just getting up for it. They feel a little more confident, a little lighter or some weird subliminal psychological thing. I'm sure, you know, if we, anybody asked a player that they poo poo it, but you know, it's just one of those little intangible things. And I still feel, and Grubauer's had some points here and there throughout the season. He's looked a lot more solid than last year. I agree with you, Jim, but uh, still doesn't give me a whole ton of confidence. I, I feel a little better each time I see Jones in there as opposed to Grub. Well, yeah. And you, sorry, I think that if you were to ask the players, yes, they're not going, they're going to lie to your face. They're not going to tell you, oh yeah, I, I, you know, the whole team, you know, when the goalies aren't around, we talk about how we do, you know, we feel so much better. You can tell, you can tell the chemistry, the team chemistry is different when the two goalies are on, you know, depending on who's playing. Um, if, for me, I'm fine with Jones. Uh, We've all been hard on Grubauer, and for good reason. Um, he probably should start playing a few more games to get those stats more true. But I agree he has been a little bit better than he was last year. But I'll I'll ride the Jones train as long as we need to, as long as we can keep winning. But we got to keep winning, you know, this win one, lose two, win two, lose three thing. You know, I know that's hockey, but it's it, it's it's not going to work forever. We'll get a true taste of it around game 60 or so, 55, 60 in there. Uh, when when you start seeing where the alignment is with everybody in the standings and the push and where we are and if we're on the bubble, you're going to play to win hard. 
and he's going to play who's ever hot, and that's it. You know what I mean? And then he's going to run him till he's cold, no matter what. But you're going to see more of a pattern. I ha- another thing, I have seen some weird patterns going on because just when you know, even the tips of the first off the ice in practice, it was so and so, and then all of a sudden you'd hear the other goaltender was starting. That happened a couple times where I'm like, oh, that's kind of strange. So right now, uh, even Haxel's playing the game with announcements. Uh, he's not being as upfront at the media press uh, after practices. And uh, you can't assume whoever went out first is going to get the start. Yeah. I've noticed that uh, last couple of times, you know, like on our chat thread uh, for our listeners, you know, the guys were always talking, you know, game day and, and all of that, who's in, who's out. And yeah, sometimes it seems you think you're going to have one goalie and then, 45 minutes to an hour before the game, there's a tweet that goes out saying that this person's starting and it's kind of catches you by surprise. So yeah, it's wild. I'm guilty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed. That's okay. We forgive you. Well, interesting. We bring up Hackstall. I think it's uh we can bring up time. Uh, we're getting to uh, messages from the deep. We're bringing that back. Uh, uh, emails from the deep, email us uh, or post something on Facebook, or Twitter, or Instagram, any of our pages. If you have a, a thought, a comment, a question for us, throw it our way. We did that a lot last year, and uh, we're happy to do it uh, throughout this season. So we got a little note here from a Darren in Kirkland. Darren, no Darren, no pull, no punches pulled in uh from Kirkland here. Uh, he writes in and asks, when is Hackstall getting fired? <laughs> well, gee, Darren, uh, you know, um, you know, that was, that was something, you know, we were hearing a lot of at the beginning of the season of people, you know, disappointed or, you know, um, and I don't know if I'd say it heard from pundits, but you know, some, some people who get very frustrated with Hackstall style uh, you know, and that that happens uh, whenever uh, any team's not w- winning well. You know, he started hearing way, way less of that throughout November. And now he's starting to hear people like Darren got to bring it up. And, you know, I got to say, considering where the team is in the standings right now, I, I personally think he bought himself the rest of the season. Although there have been times in NHL history where we've seen coaches seemingly doing a good job or OK, and they do get fired. So, you know, there, there have been uh, and are reasons to criticize Dave Haxtall, but enough for Ron Francis to let him go this soon. Gee, I, I, I don't see it. But, uh, fellas, what are, you, what are your thoughts on Haxtall's future as the coach? Uh, this is another situation I'm a little bit guilty on. Uh, I'm with you, Chris, pretty much on what you just said. I did think a little bit during that losing stretch or November was great. And then December was kind of old last year and a bit flavor. And I think I jokingly tweeted out some things about Haxville hockey. Well, I did. I, I know I said, well, there I've seen some patterns, patterns of what we saw last year. And, you know, a lot of these patterns, the players know better on what they're doing, but it has a lot of it has to come back to the style of play, the, his system. And, it's 100% detail and you can't afford to screw up anything. Anyway, um, I I was guilty of saying that a couple of times, uh, maybe not completely serious, but I'm starting to hear chatter when, when we get into those patterns. Uh, I tell you what, 
if we if we continue to roll this 500 hockey, that's fine. He's good to go for next year. If if all of a sudden we get into some bad stuff and he shits the bed hard here at the end, uh, he may be let go in the summertime right at the end of the season. But I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think the team will continue to play pretty well as long as they see the carrot dangling in front of them like right now and knowing what their potential is. I think they can ride this out pretty good. Legitimate question, though, because I've heard the chatter and people people like me aren't big fans of his system. So we're going to do that whenever we see a bad five game skid or whatever, especially when points are on the line, four point games against divisional teams this is a bit. By the way, the startup after Christmas here is basically, you know, uh, is this is another test. You, you got to come out of the gate hard here. You can't falter again. Uh, Chris, like you said, we got these two divisional games coming up. And, you know, those are eight-point games when you break them down. Um, it's a big deal. So, yeah. Yeah, we, we've talked before. We gave kind of timelines, you know, what happened, you know, by Thanksgiving, if this and this and this hasn't happened, you might, you might hear some things. And then it was, well, we're past Thanksgiving, uh, maybe Christmas time. And, you know, we've seen both those timelines go by and they're still winning games. So yeah, I agree that with Chris, yeah, it could be, it could be a ride out to this season and Jim saying, you know, if we play at or above a little bit above 500 hockey, he's probably not going to go anywhere till summertime. If at all, who knows? A little too early to say, but uh, the coming, coming weeks and months will be interesting to see. Um, you know, hopefully they can win at least as many as they're losing, if not more so, and keep keeping the, keep the race. We don't want to see any more fading here. All right. Um, thanks, Darren, for the, for the question. Uh, and uh, folks, please uh, do uh, send us uh, questions and thoughts uh, through our social media. We'd love to include you. Um, just in some other news, uh, some random things, uh, minor league news, Coachella Valley Firebirds, the, uh, AHL affiliate, of course, for the Seattle Kraken, uh, their new home is finally open, uh, Acrisure Arena, uh, down there in the, uh, Palm Springs area, Palm Desert, uh, it's finally hosting games, it opened up on December 18th where the Firebirds hosted their first game and came up with a win that night against the Tucson Roadrunners. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, visiting there sometime in the coming months, uh, late March maybe for me, we'll see. Uh, maybe it needs to wait till next season, we'll see. But uh, definitely want to go down there and check out a game, um, something we're all talking about doing. Uh, Firebirds, uh, though, meanwhile, in, in recent days, they've won five of their last six games. And they are currently third in the 10-team Pacific Division of the AHL. So good stuff there. Um, Jim, you had some World Juniors updates. What's 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 uh, what's going on there? Well, I do. I, I'm paying extra attention this year because of Mr. Shane Wright taking the captaincy of that. Yeah, club. I get the captaincy. Um, that was great to see. Yeah. So, you know, and you know me. I've been on his train all year, and I just want the best for that kid regardless um, and so, you know, obviously being a U.S. citizen, I pull for Team USA almost every, well, all the time, but this year I'm actually really pulling for Canada just for his sake. I want to see it well. Um, this is the, what is it? The 47th running year of this tournament started in 1976. So it's morphed itself over the years, but it's the 10 team tournament, group A, group B. 
Canada, Sweden, Czech, Germany, Austria, and Group A. Group B, U.S., Finland, Swiss, uh, Slovakia, and Latvia. Um, four games, round robin, then to a playoff uh, to the gold. And so it's just a very fun, it's my favorite international tournament ever, even over the Olympics, because it's a very consistent uh, tournament. You know, and this is the first full year since the COVID of two years prior to that really messed it up. And then the the big problems with Canada hockey and all the, the problems they've run into with uh, having to rebuild the structure entirely with the, the players in question that have happened over the years with, you know, not good things have happened. So it's kind of a, a restart. It's up in Halifax this year. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a good refresh program to kick off and let's see how it goes. I'm excited about it. Who's the U S play first. Uh, we played Latvia today and we, or we play, uh, Five to two. So five we to got two, they beat there. Latvia, right? Yeah, yeah. And then Canada dropped it today against Czech. So that's an interesting upset. But one thing about this tournament, guys, teams drop games early on all the time and come back to win gold. Canada has done it several times in round robin. Uh, just to note on some players, you know, you've got Shane, a Kraken player. Uh, we're all happy about that. You got Bedard, who's projected to go number one, a, you know, generational type. Crosby type player who, who everybody's talking about even for two years now I've been talking about. So uh, Connor Bedard, he's going to be a big time deal. You got guys like uh, Dylan Gunther, uh, Gunther, Kevin uh, Korsinski from the T-Birds on D, uh, Reed Schaefer from the T-Birds on D, uh, U.S. teams, uh, Cutter Gauthier, uh, he's a Boston College product, uh, uh, Philadelphia took him in the first round. I'm a big fan of his game. You got Logan Cooley, who went right before Shane on that surprise pick to Arizona on the U.S. club in third position. Uh, Jimmy Snuggerud, who's a solid player. Uh, other names I'll throw out here are other notable names. Uh, Sweden has Fabian Lysol, who plays for Bo who's a Boston prospect, Chris. Uh, mm -hmm. Second year since drafted. He's, he's going to light it up. Uh, Czech has uh, David Yurtschek, who is uh, top five pick in the draft, or top six, I believe. Uh, Finland has one of our goaltenders from draft, Nicholas Coco, and Yanni Neiman, 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 however you want to say it. Uh, so there's two Finn boys that are cracking players are uh, drafted, and Slovakia has uh, Simon Nemec, who was we were thinking we were going to get in the draft in our position, uh, but he went to New Jersey. So there's a lot of good talent there. There's a ton more. Most of them are drafted. Some are. Some are collegiate first year. Uh, a lot of them are in the in the CHL. A lot of them are out here in the WHL. It's going to be a fun tournament. Unfortunately, if you don't have uh, you know NHL Network, you're going to be backdooring it somehow. Uh, but uh, it's just pay attention if you can. It's it's great stuff. And uh, the house is packed for once again in Canada to watch hockey instead of COVID regulations. So. Okay, that's getting broadcast to what NHL Network mainly. Yeah, NHL Network and then Sportsnet uh, in Canada. Which so if you don't have those, you're kind of out of luck. But you might be able to backdoor it somehow. I'm kind of out of luck, but I've got my means. Yeah, there you go. I've got every I've got every damn pay thing for every hockey except I do not have NHL Network anymore, and I'm not going to spend individually for that. I've spent enough money on cable. <laughs> Yeah, I know ESPN Plus and this and that and everything. Oh, it's just ridiculous. Games, I know. 
So stupid. Well, anyway, well, good. I'm actually watching. I'm watching the game right now. Well, not really watching. It's on the TV. The Latvia USA game. There you go. I I have. I have all the channels. Yeah, and (laughs) Shane did score. So whatever. Yeah, I don't have I don't have Good. those games. I don't have those games from where I'm at, where the cable I have. But uh, when I get back to Seattle, I'll be able to watch. So looking forward to that. All right. Well, good stuff, Jim. Thank you for all that. Also, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention a little bit of uh, NHL history. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin, who we saw in Seattle not too long ago, uh, is when he's uh, Washington Capitals came to Seattle. Um He's getting a, a little bit closer to, well, uh, you know, still got a ways to go catching Wayne Gretzky, but he did become the number two overall goal scorer uh, a few nights ago. He actually scored two goals in in uh, one game there against the Winnipeg Jets. Um, got his 801st and 802nd goal that night. Uh, so what is that? About 91, 92 goals away from uh, catching Wayne Gretzky, but that's something he surpassed Gordie Howe, who had a very long and storied career to say at the very, very least. And um, that's quite a, quite, quite a cool thing to see. And all, I don't know, guys, is he going to catch Gretzky? How many, how many years does he have to be on, uh, you know, playing on that one to get, I don't know. I mean, can he, can he, can he cut, can he cut that 92 or 93 and a half at least, you know, by this end of this year? You know, Ooh, uh, that's a tall at the end yeah, of this year. That's a, that's that's a tall, a tall glass. To, that's a tall glass to drink. I mm-hmm. don't know. Um, I mean, he may need to have to play. I don't know, four years. I mean, he's still playing well. So I mean, I'm not. You know, it's not like he's on his last. You know, bit of fumes here and has to retire super soon. But that's that's a lot of goals. Yeah. Well, I don't know how much left he's got on his contract. So. uh I when they were talking about you know where he's at a couple of years ago and can he catch, I was like, I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't think it's gonna happen. But as we hit each little milestone along the way, I rethink it and I still break it down. You know, he's 37 years old, and you're right, he's playing really good for his age. I, I can't re- I was gonna look it up here. Is his what his average has been uh the last three years or so because need to look at his drop off of how many goals he gets he's he's nailed in the last three years or so maybe you can see that Chris as I'm talking but um you know I it, it, when he first came in the league for the longest time I I kind of had a problem with him I wasn't a big fan of him uh he was a coach's nightmare actually uh, players for coaches because he just he did his own thing and everything it took Barry Trotz to turn him around and for me to actually start paying attention to his game again um and of course, they won a cup right around then too. But uh, you know, he's he's all offense. Then uh, his shot is incredible. He might as well own that real estate on every ice sheet in the NHL. Uh, he's at 802, 37 years old. That's that's a lot of goals. What's his average? Are you seeing? Well, you know, see, he went through a stint. I mean, you're right. He's he's certainly matured since his earlier days because I, I mean, right, right. that that whole issue with him, I remember, it came up a lot in uh, hockey commentary. I mean, he would go through, you know, 51, 53, 50. This is, you know, back in, you know, from 2013, 2015 yeah. time. Then there's been a drop off um, in recent years. I mean, obviously, we're dealing with a little bit shortened season of COVID, but he had uh, from 17, 18, it went 49, 51, 48. 
24, but that was the, the 2020, 2021 yeah. season. So we're like, he had 50 for 21, 22. See, and, incredibly... and so he's on pace for, you know, maybe close to that. He's at 22 at the moment. See, that's incredibly solid for his age. It's not really slowing down. I mean, so, you know, that's two and a half years right there on paper. Mm. So I've almost rethought this out that, yeah, he can do it. But, and he's not the, here's another thing about him. I've always tried to bring this up around people that when I, you see him play, he is a big man, but he does not play that size. He's very proportionate. He's very muscular. He he has more of a uh, bend in his stance, a little more squat. He plays with a short stick. So when you watch him play, he plays more like a guy that's smaller. He, it's really surprising to watch him because he does not come off as large as he does because of his skating ability. That being said, I, I always want to throw in the injury factor. Could he get an injury? Could he get, you know, the end of his career? Could this play out, you know, but he doesn't have a pattern of, of, of injuries. So he might be able to do this. I have totally changed my mind from say two and a half, three years ago, he could do it. And I I'm, I'm blown away by that. Uh, and I, I will say this, I've changed my tune on him. I like him as a player, as a guy off the ice, whatever. I had a problem with him for his first, 12 years in his career for sure well it's great to see a, a living legend uh you know play in front of us here in seattle when he comes to town and among other guys i mean we, you know we're talking about crosby bergeron you know all these guys uh you know mcdavid uh, it's super fun but i mean this is this is his hockey history and i had i had a similar thing i mean i you know a while ago, going back two, three years ago, it just seemed so unattainable for anybody to catch Gretzky. And I thought, all right, well, maybe on his last last legs, he'll maybe catch Gordie Howe. And that's, I thought, the best. But he he looks like he's got at least another couple of years in him, you know, barring anything unforeseen. So, uh, hey, we'll see. It'll be very, very, very interesting. We may see some even bigger history. So good, good stuff there. All right, fellas. All right. Well, uh, thank you all as always for joining me here and uh great episode, guys. Great chat. Uh, looking forward to the next one. Uh, thanks as much always for all of you who are tuning in. Remember, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or our own website, SeattleCrackenFanCast.com. Big thanks to our producer, Jay Middleton. Um, also, folks, keep in mind to uh, look for us on Facebook, Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at CastKraken. We're also on Instagram and YouTube. Um, and uh, also, for those of you who are really big fans, and we've got a few of you, uh, please consider supporting us on our Patreon financial support platform. You can find more information for that at patreon.com slash KrakenFanCast. We are all very, very grateful to all of our supporters. So, as always, we'll be back in a couple of weeks for more game discussion news and uh, actually some interviews coming up. Uh, we're trying to line some up uh, for January and February. So stay tuned for that. We'll be bringing more of that. So uh, for Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson, I'm Chris Porter. We thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, we say, go, go Kraken. Kraken. Kraken.